Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You, a podcast about everything you need to know about teens. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we speak teenager. Uh, did we also mention that we're best friends? We've worked as admission officers, prep school administrators, and most importantly, have coached thousands of teens. In other words, we have seen it all. So join us every week as we give you the lowdown on all the shit your teenager isn't telling you. Because trust us, there's a lot of it. And if you don't know what to do with the teenagers in your life, don't worry. We've got your back. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. I'm here with my best friend and one of my favorite people in the entire universe. I almost just poked my eye out with the microphone. Did you see that right now? Did you see the accident that almost befell me? I missed it, but only I, I. This is the second time today my mic fell on me earlier. That's true. You guys missed it because we weren't recording at the time. Thank goodness. <laughs> it's never a dull moment with you, Meredith. No, but you know what? I have managed these stressful situations well today, which leads us to Ooh, our topic. But boom. Look at you. Look at you setting it up for me. Teen it up. <laughs> Lay up, my friend. <laughs> Tell the people what we're talking about. So I wanted to talk about this idea in adolescent development. There's this terminology you might have heard before. It's called orchid children or dandelion children. Orchids and dandelions. It's a way to describe temperaments of certain kids. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is squarely a orchid or squarely a dandelion, but... You might have one of these kids and you're like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. So orchids are kids who are, and if you've ever owned an orchid or been gifted an orchid, you know that once the blooms fall, it's virtually impossible to get that sucker to bloom again. You have to be a very skilled gardener to know what to do with that orchid. They're very delicate and they need just the right amount of water and just the right amount of light and just the right temperatures in order to thrive. And then there's dandelions, which are like, you can't kill those suckers, man. They'll grow in concrete. So there's this you know, idea in adolescent development that some kids are just like that in terms of temperament. There's some kids who are really resilient, can't knock them down, knock them down, they'll get right back up. They're like, okay, I made a Teflon. What else you got? Give it to me. And the orchids are like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> a little princess in the pea. Yes. Like, oh, that's not comfortable. I don't like that. I don't like it. I don't like it. It's my, yucky. My teacher made a face. <laughs> Whatever. They must hate me. Yeah. Whatever the thing is. The the bathroom had a, a – um, the sink had a little dirt dirty. spot in it. And it was – I can't touch it. I can't do it. There's – and some of you are like, oh, you're talking about – about my, <laughs> I was gonna say my kid, but you might we might be talking we might about be talking you. about you too. <laughs> <laughs> and so, in our many decades of working in schools and coaching kids, we have encountered dandelions and orchids in our practice. Oh yeah, and we're not gonna spend a lot of time talking about dandelions because they're usually pretty resilient. They're doing their thing. In my practice, I've got a couple of dandelions that I can think of right now that I'm coaching. And they're awesome because dandelion kids, you're like, why don't you try that? Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Like that would be so cool for you. And they're like, really? 
I have never thought about that before. I'm like, well, why don't you look into it? Okay. And okay. then our next meeting, they'll come back and they're like, yeah, I, I think I can do that. I mean, it sounds terrible, but I think I can do it. <laughs> right. I looked into it. No, it usually starts with, I actually looked into it. <laughs> totally. And that's the dandy thing. Yeah. Love them. Love them. They're really easy to parent. Yeah. Usually. Usually. That's not to say I have a dandelion who's also can be anxious, but has really like her dandelionness has overcome, has helped her like grow out of her anxious phase. Like That's good. She, it's been really good. A hundred percent. So Sometimes my the dandelions I've worked with are can be a little too nonchalant in certain moments or in oh. certain areas of life. A little cavalier maybe. They're like, that's fine. Yeah. And you kind of would rather have that than the other, but sometimes I'm like, it's not fine. That's totally me because I'm a dandelion and I'm like, you're a dandelion. I'm a dandelion and I'm like, what's the big deal? It's fine. It's not. And I think it can I think come I'm both cavalier. I can be an orchid. Let's be real. Yes, you can. <laughs> but I can. But I'm also like you a can dandelion. Be hardy. You can be hardy. I'm pretty hardy. Although Kathy earlier today told me I had a delicate constitution because oh, I had a headache. You. Well, you have headaches a lot. So that's nice. Well. <laughs> You need to drink more water. I drink so much water. Well, you need more. <laughs> there are other reasons why people get headaches. Just saying. Uh, anyways, we're, we want to talk about the dandelions because the dandelions can be really hard to parent and it can be challenging to figure out. The orchids. Like, I mean, sorry. We're going to talk about oh, I mean, orchids. <laughs> oh, God. Orchids can be really hard to parent. Because they're delicate and they need just the right amount of pushing, but not too much and encouragement, but not too much. And how do you figure out how to make your orchid child be more like a dandelion? How do we make kids who are a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more fragile, more hardy? Yeah, I don't think of it as sensitivity, honestly, because I know plenty of dandelions that are sensitive. I think of it as fragility Mm. and kids that are easily overwhelmed by stress. You know, because we've talked about, you might want to say more about learned helplessness. I tend to think of it more of like, what is someone's distress tolerance level? You know, if they find themselves in a stressful situation how do they move through emotional or stressful situations? Just how do they do that? You know, are they someone who moves through it and can remain emotionally regulated? Or are they overwhelmed very easily by very slight things and devolve or decompensate in some way? Yep. And what do we see most? What do you, uh, well, what do you see most? I'll say what I see most, but I think it's the same I thing. I see low distress tolerance in a lot of adolescents. They are often so many of the students we work with have led relatively comfortable lives. Mm -hmm. And so when they encounter discomfort of some kind or setback or even the belief that they could in the future, right? They haven't actually encountered anything in real life, but the idea of making a mistake, for example, in the future it can be so overwhelming to them. They they have a, they lack experience with discomfort, and therefore their window of tolerance for uncomfortable feelings is really minimal, mm-hmm. right? And they're really easily undone by and really easily overwhelmed by minor stuff, like minor stuff, like 
oh, well, I went to camp and I don't want to go back because the bathroom sinks were dirty. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like that kind of stuff, right? Oh, yes. What are some other examples? This could be fun. I mean, the thing that I see the most, I mean, it's so easy now to avoid uncomfortable feelings in a way that it wasn't before we had smartphones. So yep. what I see a lot is numbing from kids. I see a lot yep. of they don't practice sitting with their discomfort. Instead, they numb it out. They avoid and distract. Absolutely. By going on TikTok. Yep. By going on YouTube. Oh, I was researching something and all of a sudden I've been in a YouTube hole for the last yeah. three hours. They just aren't very skilled with like managing boredom, right? Like this this thing that I'm doing is boring, right? right? This homework right. assignment is boring. This chore is boring. Right. And so I'm just not going to do it. They don't have a lot of endurance. <laughs> right. Instead of being like when we were youngins back in the old timey days. <laughs> I mean, we were like thrown to the wolves. I mean, right. we were like squarely generation. Well, I'm Generation X. What are you? Oh, yeah, I'm Gen X. I'm Gen X well. Am as I a well. millennial? Am I an old millennial? Or no, no, you're a Gen X. Aiden's an old millennial. Kind of okay. in your 30s. I think maybe I think like, it's like the cusp 81? is. Yeah. 80s? Like right around there. Okay. But the – the point is back when there wasn't the internet and we just had four channels on our TV. Yeah. You had to figure shit out. Yeah. You kind of had to be more creative. You had to go outside. You yeah. You probably had a house key by the time you were like seven. <laughs> right. And I think we just were – we had to do more problem solving. We didn't have – we couldn't just like look it up on the internet. We couldn't just text our mom. Mom, drop this off for me because I left it at school. Right. You, know, or you couldn't do those things. Right. And so you had to tolerate discomfort more. So I see just kids going straight to the cell phone, straight to the phone to distract themselves from the thing that is But difficult. I want to I give more examples because yeah. sometimes what I encounter with parents is because they see this in other kids, it's not registering as a problem. So some examples were like the example that I just sort of that was gave you about the dirty sink is probably an amalgamation of examples that you and I have heard so many times. Oh, I don't, I don't want to go to that summer program because the beds are uncomfortable. I've heard that probably dozens of times. Oh, yeah. I, like, I, I can't I, go to this yes. amazing program because the bed is not exactly like my bed at home. Oh, I have to share a room. I have to share a room. I have to share a bathroom. Yep. Let's see. I can't talk to teachers about basic things. Oh, I see. Examples I, I want around. examples of because the, of how the, the behavior. Of how the low distress tolerance shows, shows up. up. Yeah. Because I think sometimes it looks so normal because so many kids is so ubiquitous, but it's actually not, right? It's actually like a, a sign to be paying attention to. So, yeah. What are some other examples? Oh, sure. I won't go to this party unless I have a friend. I can't take this class because I don't have any friends in it. Oh, yeah. I won't join a club unless I have a friend in it. <laughs> I, right. Any school, after school activity, can't do it without a friend. Can't do it without a friend. Yeah. I won't take this class because I've heard this teacher is mean. It's really hard. <laughs> yep. I I won't email my teacher. I don't want to go outdoors. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being it sounds funny. No, but, but it's this, true. But this is this is what I mean. Like this is why I want us to go come up with examples because the examples are like 
<laughs> of low stress tolerance. Yeah. Like, what does that look like? Yeah, yeah. I won't go outside. I won't That's go outside. One. <laughs> it's too cold. It's too hot. It's too humid. It's too, too dirty. I can't, I can't I go have to, allergies. I can't go to college in this entire half of the country because of it's humid three months out of the year. Oh, I had a kid this year who would not consider any college. I mean, thankfully we changed his mind, but his uh, was, I will not go to college anywhere where the weather is worse than it is in the Bay Area. Uh, okay. I was like, that's nowhere. <laughs> I was like, that's here and Hawaii. <laughs> like, not even Hawaii. Too, no, humid. Too, too humid. Too humid. That's so yeah. here. So here. I was like very limited in my friend. Southern California was okay, but basically California. And I was like, mm, kind of limiting. Really want to really want to check that <laughs> discomfort. Yeah. So that was that was real, and that happened this year. Yeah, weather. Weather's a big one. Yeah. What else? Um, physical movement is a big one. Oh yes, physical exercise. Like all the reasons why we can possibly go for a walk right now. Finishing the PE requirement because there's just no physical <laughs> exercise that I want to do that could satisfy the PE requirement for graduation. I can't do my own laundry. I can't put away the dishes. I can't put my dishes in the sink. I can't. I can't do pick a up my room. I can't. I can't take the dogs for a I walk. I can't take the dogs for a walk. I can't pick up poop. <laughs> right. Can't do any of that. Can't clean litter box. Mm-mm. Can't do that. Too gross. Can't do it. Here's one. Yeah. Can't cut raw meat. <laughs> can't make a chicken breast. Can't. That's real. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I've heard that one yeah, too. Like, I've got that touch, one. Can't touch raw meat. Can't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> certainly can't make phone calls to adults we don't know. Oh, no. Absolutely not. Bridge too far. Oh, can't couldn't, make a phone call, couldn't period. Couldn't possibly make a phone call. <laughs> Just a phone call at all. Couldn't schedule an appointment for myself. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Too hard. Can't ask for Ask for help. Ask for extra help. Mm-mm. Can't do that. Can't accept any sort of accommodation for my learning difference. No. I'd much rather suffer. just suffer yep. than have the appearance of needing help. Needing help. Uh, what else? This is fun. I feel like we're missing some good ones. <laughs> can't go on the retreat. Oh, I can't possibly wake up without hitting snooze 15 Six. times. Like, <laughs> I, I couldn't po- do it. I can't, can't possibly wake up without my parents waking me up. Couldn't do that. Nope. Oh, here's another one. Uh, clean myself. <laughs> Say more. Don't like brushing my teeth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't Can't like washing, I don't washing. Like, I don't like showering that much. Yeah. Or I don't have the things mom or dad didn't get the right snacks. Mom or dad didn't get the right shower gel. Yes. I don't know. I can't, I can't do it because they didn't have. Oh, I can't make my own lunch because they didn't go to the grocery store and buy the things that I like. <laughs> There's nothing here for me to eat. There's nothing to eat. <laughs> Sometimes I do that one. <laughs> There's nothing. I can't. That could possibly. Oh, God. This is fun. What else? It's like we hear the most insane things. Well, just I can't. Oh, do... I can't have like X thing because I'm going to lose it. But I want the thing. I can't have. I can't have the newest AirPods because I'll lose them. But like, why didn't they give me AirPods? <laughs> oh God! I hear this a lot. I hear a lot of like, oh, I'm so bad at drawing. I could never take an art class. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I can't I'm... try a new sport. I'm too old to try a new sport. All the time. Okay, you're 14. Stop. Right. It's like, you are 50. You have been on the planet barely a decade. Barely over a decade. Right? I can't do that. All my all my friends are ahead of me. I can't. I can't. Nope. 
Can't learn a new thing. Can't learn a new skill. Mm-hmm. Don't want to go on that field trip. Don't know anybody. No, don't like anybody in that class. Don't have friends on that cast. Can't go to that field trip. Can't go to that field trip. Walk my friends aren't going to that dance. Mm-mm. Can't go. One hundred percent. None of my friends are going to that dance. Can't go. Mm-mm. Even Can't though go. I want to go. Can't go to the football game. Can't None of my it. friends are going. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. I remember as a, a child, this brings <laughs> this brings a story up about around my dandelioness. Okay. Oh God. I remember in elementary school, and I was bullied a lot as a kid because I had like who would bully you? Oh my God, I was so. And and who would bully you and then not get the shit kicked out of them by oh, you? Oh no, not when I was little. When I was in elementary school, I was such a nerd. I had big glasses. I had stickers on my glasses. Which I have I seen were pictures really of you as a little kid. Yeah, I had stickers on my glasses, and I used to wear like cat shirts. Make me too. Yeah. I was like, this is cute. I'm wearing this to school. But I did get bullied. I did get bullied. I think most of us don't go through childhood without some bullying. Yeah. But I definitely was bullied. I was also new to the school district in like third grade. But I do remember that the school, my elementary school was organizing a snow day. Like they were taking us up to like Big Bear maybe. Yeah. And I didn't know a single freaking person who was going. And I was like, I'm freaking going, man. I want to go to this. I totally remember this field trip because I didn't know. I didn't have any yeah, friends. Yeah, you suffer no shyness. <laughs> like you and I have been out in almost every possible situation. And I can think of many times where – and it's not that I'm, you know, like hesitant to do something. You're like, well, I'm just going to go ask him. And I'm like, Kathy, maybe you shouldn't ask that person some deep personal question, you know, in the airport or whatever. You have, yeah, you suffer no hesitation no, no, in that no, way. No, I tried out for cheerleading when I was in sixth grade and I was such a nerd. And I just had, I was like, why? It looks fun. I'm going to do it. And I remember I actually got picked to be a cheerleader and, and they, they had a lunchtime. This is, they don't do these things anymore, but in the 80s, they announced the cheerleaders at lunch and the cheerleaders were mostly like really popular girls mm-hmm. and it was in the cafeteria they were announcing it on on a on a speaker system yeah so everybody was hearing and all the girls were getting their balloons they were like yeah. aren't I yay clapping and then it was like Kathy Chen and it was like <laughs> <laughs> and I was so clueless I was like yay for me <laughs> With my big old glasses, with my stickers on them. I was like, yay, I became a cheerleader. Oh, my God. Those cheerleaders were so mean to me. If any of my old cheerleading middle school friends are listening. Oh, man, I got bullied in cheerleading. Ooh, it was hard. But my point is. Hardy. She grew up hardy. I did not say these things as a kid. And it was not because I was raised that way. It really was some temperament stuff. I think it was a little that we were raised that way because I was not allowed to – I think I've made this joke. Oh, yes. Be bored. Be bored. Like, that was not an option. It's like, okay, well, go entertain yourself. Here are your options. You know what they are. Well, I love that because I think we can move on to talking about, like, okay, what do you do as a parent? And I think as a parent, your instinct is to fix it for your kid, right? Like, oh, you don't. You don't want to go to this thing. Well, let's find a friend right. for you to go with. Or That's you- right. That's right. right. Oh, well, I- I'll drive you there and I'll wait outside. Oh, yes. That's a big one. That's a big one. Uh, and if you don't like it, you can I'll, – I'll, I'll be right here. It's okay. I'll, I'll be take right you home. Here. Right. So I think that – And to be clear, we're, we're, we need to draw a distinction between what we're talking about and like a kid with like really acute social clinical anxiety. Yeah. anxiety. yeah. That's different. 100%. That ain't what we're talking about right That's now. Not- <laughs> 
But I think it's it it is important. Like when we talk about like what can you do as a parent? For sure, it's fighting the instinct to solve the problem for your kid and letting them wrestle with it. And here's another thing that one of my parents just did that I love. And I don't think it was intentional, Mm -hmm. but I was like, damn, all parents should do this. This is so good. So trade secret. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, a lot of our families tend to be wealthy. They tend to go on very nice vacations. Yeah. And they tend to be pretty luxe, right? Yeah. And this little girl that I coach, she's a middle schooler. She, OMG, she is hilarious. She'll come to my office and she'll be like, oh my God, Gabe, the bathroom at the the hotel was so disgusting in Hawaii. Oh my God. (laughs) I mean, we were right on the beach and there was sand on the floor when we walked in. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm like, girl. (laughs) Girl, get it together. And the um, marble was cracked. No, stop it. In the bathroom. Stop it. Yes, girl. So grossed out. Like, oh my God. The 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 tub was stained at the four seasons. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> but I'm like, honey bunny. I was like, you are being a royal privileged right now. Uh, a little bit. So I don't know if her parents did this intentionally, but mm-hmm. she just came back from her last vacay. Yeah. And she, I was like, tell they me went all backpacking. about it. Tell me all about it. Because they went to Vietnam. They love Vietnam. No, no, no. She told me all the things. She likes to recount. And she has great memory. She remembers every single detail, every single day. Yeah. And she was like, okay, let me get to Vietnam. La, 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 la. And oh, my God. Our first night was in a homestay. Yeah. Because they went kind of rural. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. This time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, how was that? She's yeah. like, Oh, my God. (laughs) She, like, was horrified. Yeah. Right? She was because she's never lived. She's not understood that people, most people on the planet live a particular way that's quite different than staying at the Four Seasons. Right. Right. Like, the whole plumbing situation was a little iffy. Yeah. The kind of indoor-outdoor living situation. Like, the whole thing really she was just like, this is a kid who was like, I will not go to camp. I will not do anything that's dirty. Yeah. I don't like bugs. Yeah. I don't want to take a shower in a bathroom with other people. Yeah. I don't want to sleep in this disgusting bed, <laughs> this cot. Like, what is this? And I love, I'm not, again, I'm not sure her parents did it on purpose, but I love that they did a homestay. So when I saw her mom, I was like, I absolutely love that you did that. Yeah. Because- even if she was like, oh my God, it was so disgusting afterwards, the fact that the fact is she had to do it. She had to do it. You had to do it. And she didn't die. Like nothing bad happened. You did it. And that is the moral of this episode. Yes. It's like kids need to do hard things, hard things for them. And they need to learn the sky doesn't fall. Nothing bad is going to You're happen. You're gonna be fine. Yeah. You slept. On a mattress on the floor with your parents. Girl. And you know what? You were kind of cold, so you had to wear a jacket. You're fine. You're okay. You survived. The toilet made a really loud, scary noise. Uh, there was a toilet. You're fine. <laughs> You're fine. How <laughs> many places I've stayed where uh, a hole? Yeah. A hole. You're like, can you dig yourself Here a hole? Here is a and shovel. Then please bury it afterwards. 
Yeah, totally. Exactly. But I love that, you know, like this is ultimately That's why all those wilderness camps and outdoor education programs are so popular and populated because kids are so removed from skills sometimes. Oh, I have another example I just thought of. I can't possibly go anywhere without Wi-Fi or cellular service. Oh, my God. (laughs) This actually just happened recently. I couldn't do that. I don't have – there's no Wi-Fi. I have, like, I can't put my own gas. Like – Oh, can't get a driver's license. Oh, that is a (laughs) national phenomenon, teenagers not getting a driver's license. I'm like, mofos, parents, make your parents – Make those – you better make those children – You should see the faces we're making right now, guys. (laughs) You better make your kid get a license. Yes. It's so weird because I could not imagine when I was – But because by the time you were 15 and able to get your permit, you had experiences of independence and you didn't have – you and I didn't have choice. Like our parents worked all the time. Like it was no choice. Like if I wanted to do things or go anywhere – Have any semblance of independence. I better like – Learn how to drive. Learn how to drive. And everybody – and that's the thing. I don't remember any of my peers being like, I don't want to drive. Not a single one of them. Every Everybody, we did driver's ed. We were all excited to get our permits and get our licenses and be independent. Like that was a, a rite of passage that we all really looked forward to. And it's so interesting that these days kids are really pushing against it. Well, I wonder when you have a chauffeur. Oh, my God. Right? When your parents will just drive you anywhere. And I'm not talking about an actual – I mean, some kids do I have mean, drivers. we've had kids with drivers. <laughs> we have plenty of kids with drivers, but – when you have a, a mom or a dad at home who's just going to take you where you need to go, when you need to go, any moment you need to go, it's kind of hard. <laughs> have I told you the chicken with bones in it story? Oh, tell me. Oh, I can't wait. So this is when I worked at an independent school that served <gasps> lunch. And mind you all, this lunch it's so was, good. I was had it. better than most restaurants. Very tasty. And so I'm in line. And, you know, with a bunch of, like, older kids, juniors and seniors, just talking about the week. and Not, sh- not shooting up. <laughs> we were not shooting up anything. Okay, good. <laughs> I was going to say shooting the shit, but then I decided I'm trying to cuss less on this podcast because we got banned by YouTube, Why? I think, for Cuts. cursing. <laughs> anyway, so there were – it was early in the year, so there were brand-new freshmen, and there happened to be – you know, I'm the dean of students at this time, and there happened to be a bunch of little freshmen in front of us. And they don't know me. They've seen me like twice at like an orientation. It's literally, I think, the first or second week of school. And all of a sudden I hear, I'm in this conversation with these juniors and seniors, and I hear out of, you know, my little ears perk up. Ugh, I hate when they serve chicken with bones in it. And I, when I tell you the juniors, so the, the kids I was with saw, heard it too. And they like immediately like had a, their own reaction of like kind of disgust, but then they, they knew me, right? They knew me well. So they immediately looked to me like, oh Ooh. shit, what's about, to, what's about to happen? And I like, look at them. I was like, excuse me, I'll be back. I said, and I go over to this little girl. I'm like, hi, what did you just say? <laughs> She's like, oh, um, um, I was like, I was like, I'm Meredith. I'm the dean of students. I think we've met at orientation. I was like, can you just tell me what what's so upsetting to you right now about, you know? And I kind of pulled her aside so she wasn't like around other people. And you know, I let her go about her day. And then I caught up with her later, and when it was very private because there were still people around, and I didn't want to embarrass her. And I was like, you know, that comment really bothered me. 
I was like, have you met Marcus? He's our head chef. He's amazing. Tomorrow I want you to come meet me. We're going to go talk to him. You know, like she needed to be checked. Like that was gross, I thought. Mm-hmm. You got a bunch of people cooking for you. Mm-hmm. Every single day. Oh, Meredith. I know. I know. It the stories. The stories. I'm like, oh, the stories. Kids are like, Ugh. and she's a great kid. You know, she's a nice oatmeal cookies kid. left. <sighs> oh my god. Totally. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Ugh. The froyo machine is broken today. Ugh. Girl. <laughs> Don't make me. So you're gonna get snatched. <laughs> But yes, yes. And and like, these are good kids, right? They're not bad kids. They're sweet kids. They just are on practice. So, okay. I think we're getting a little too excited by our examples. So I think we actually need to be solution-oriented. Practical practical tips for parents. Calm ourselves down. (laughs) Um, Okay. But here's here's what I want to say before we give practical tips. You know, we are giving some like lighthearted kind of silly examples, but this stuff gets real. If kids do not build emotional distress tolerance and overcome beliefs about learned helplessness, it has real dire consequences for later adolescence, adulthood. It really infantilizes children. It makes them, they can't do life. They can't life. They can't adult. They don't thrive. They do not. Nope. Thrive. They're kind of just floundering and they they tread really hard and stay in the same place. Yeah. And it becomes a vicious cycle, right? If they're easily overwhelmed by the world, by mm-hmm. life, by the very basic things of life mm-hmm. that reinforces the learned helplessness, mm-hmm. which makes them even further less equipped to meet challenge and adversity, which is a part of any life. You know, suffering is a part of life. So it's it's big stuff, right? It's a big deal. Well, here's here's something that I tell kids a lot who I see are struggling with this. I tell them, I see that you're making your world really small to make it safe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's limiting. I mean, let's just – not to, like, put my business out there, but, like, as someone who struggles with anxiety disorder and OCD, I have had to spend – I mean, you've been my friend for a long time. Like, you can speak to this. Like, you've seen me really struggle to not build a very safe and very small world. Kathy would say that particularly about men I've chosen to (laughs) Say what? (laughs) Yeah. Not me. In case any of the men you're dating are listening. (laughs) (laughs) Past. In the past. In the past. In the past. past. That's right. Past 20s. Well, and I'll put my business out there and kids are oftentimes surprised. Kids who I work with who have a diagnosis of generalized Mm -hmm. anxiety disorder. I have a diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder, Mm -hmm. right? And my coping looks really different than Mm -hmm. theirs, but Mm -hmm. it's also evolved over time. Oh my gosh. It's been, you and I have done how much therapy? Yeah. So much work. So much work to grow coping skills. And it's- Absolutely. And it's- And I look back at aspects of my childhood and some of the ways in which circumstances, lack of internet, timing, you know, kind of in some ways I think promoted that young, you Mm -hmm. know, promoted – I think that helped um, give me a sort of – because one thing I think as much as I've struggled, I've never – struggled with the idea that I could do it if I worked hard enough at mm-hmm. it. Like I, I have that sort of basic belief that like I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's going to suck probably. And like I probably will need a lot of support, but I 
kind of have a basic belief in my ability to figure stuff out. And that's kind of what we're talking about with kids. It's like, how do we give them this sort of innate belief in their ability to figure a thing out when it's uncomfortable or to tolerate something without getting so emotionally dysregulated when it's uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really about creating, I think it's about practice. I think they just need lots and lots and lots and lots of practice personally. As young as possible. Yeah. It's like even with your little kids, like not not instant instantly gratifying every single want and desire, right? Like yeah, it's not making three separate meals because there's all these different preferences, you know. Right. It's not like I need this right at this moment. You can, as a parent, decide: Do you actually need this right in this moment, or are you going to have to wait? So, if you're a parent of an adolescent, (laughs) though, and you start you're starting to recognize this fragility in your kid and you're worried about it, right? Because you you share a belief like we do that that mm-hmm. can ha- really handicap them in adulthood. What do you do? Send them to an outdoor education program, number one. Um, <laughs> I mean, do you love outdoor? I actually, you're not, you're not, not being facetious. I'm not being yeah. facetious. I do actually prescribe outdoor ed a lot. Yeah. But one of the things that takes skill is – Helping your kids distance themselves from their feelings. And actually, you know, one yeah. of the ways to do that is to to model it. We talk about that on the show a lot. But one of the things that we do as coaches is it's it's around mindfulness. I think when you say mindfulness, so teenagers especially will like roll their eyeballs. Right. Like, oh, God, we do this in advisory. <laughs> You're going to make yeah. me meditate. Like, no, yeah. I'm not going to make you meditate. But I want you to be able to recognize your feeling in the moment and actually be curious about your feeling instead of like losing yourself in the feeling. Don't- well, you look at something rather than look from it. Right. Exactly. So I feel anxious, not yeah. I am anxious, right? I feel it and I wonder what is making me feel really anxious mm-hmm. right now. I noticed that my breathing is a little bit labored. I'm noticing that my heart rate is a little bit elevated. Like, how are you physically feeling in the moment? Kids are so, I mean, adults are bad at this too. Like, how are you actually physically feeling? This is some CBT, by the way, for those of you who are therapy nerds. And DBT. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And DBT. All the BTs. All All the BTs. And so, you know, being, teaching your kids to like be curious with them. Like, what's going on for you right now? I'm noticing that you seem really agitated. I want to talk about, you know, if your kid is really overwhelmed or really emotionally dysregulated, some things you can do. And I think this is really true for all. This is true for people. You can't have an intellectual conversation or a a kind of solution-oriented conversation if someone is just too activated. Too activated, right? And so some simple things, you know, there's that acronym TIP. So temperature you know, change temperature, go wash your face with cold water, hold an ice cube. That's something that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had a therapist once talk about when you when you look in the wild, when you look in nature, you look at like, say, a zebra who just is coming off of being chased down by a apex predator. Often what those animals will do after that incident, if they sort of escape that and don't get eaten, you'll see them shake violently. 
Like you'll see them like literally mm-hmm. shake it out. Mm-hmm. So movement is good. So intense exercise, like intense exercise that can match the intensity of an emotion, whatever that is. You know, again, what we're talking about right now is about just getting the emotional state back to a kind of grounded baseline because if someone's so highly activated or so triggered, there's no, their amygdala has completely taken over. Yeah, they're hijacked. You know, then of course there's different kinds of breathing or progressive muscle relaxation. Those can be, you know, really important. And then what kind of breathing? There's all like box breathing. There's Mm -hmm. just, those are like really, especially if you have little kids, you know, because little kids are, that have sort of big feelings. Isn't that scary for I mean, if you have a really big feeling and you are so overwhelmed, it can be scary no matter what age you are. Well, Meredith, you and I watched a show last night because you spent the night in my house. I did. With Mr. Potato, your baby, your baby dog. And we had a great time, but we, we were watching Love on the Spectrum last night. <laughs> and we were. We watched a mom coach her adult son with autism. That's right. Out of a panic attack. That's right. And she did a couple of things that I really liked. Yeah. And one of them was take some big cleansing breaths. Big it will breaths. help you feel better. With your arms moving. With Yes. Yes. Right? Big, big, big breaths. breaths. So this is something that he probably has learned as a way yep. to help manage his anxiety yep. when he's feeling overwhelmed. And another thing she did, which was fantastic – is she really helped put things into perspective. Like, this is a new experience. Of course you're going to feel scared. These are normal feelings. Yep. These are normal feelings that you don't feel very often because you don't do the thing that you're doing right now. And I was like, yes, mom. That's exactly – like, she wasn't like – And she normalized we don't have to have answers right now. Yep. Right? Yep. There because was no rush. Like, you have to know the answer. You don't have to you know. Don't know. You can the sit answer. with it. We're and safe. You're safe. You can yeah. process mm-hmm. when you can take all the time you need, right? Mm-hmm. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she's doing great. She's I know, you and I were like, nice job, mom. Good job. But she's obviously working with a neuroatypical kid, and she's had to use a lot of these tools yeah, in her this, life. I mean, because he was in his 20s. His, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, he, you know, yeah. she's obviously – and you can see the family, too. The family – was, Understood. They were all kind of sitting at a table, maybe, you know, breakfast the next morning. And so yeah, they all knew how to sort of support. So I think that's really important, which of course all relies. I mean, what made that successful is that mom was calm. She totally, she did not get lost She in did it. not get looped. And so that can be hard, especially if, if in this case, right in this example, he was nervous about this woman who was a friend who he might want to take on a date. And if the it blew up into something really big in his really mind. big. Yeah. He he kind of extrapolated to a pretty extreme place. And but he doesn't know that. He doesn't know that he's doing that. But she can recognize that she remained calm. But if you are a parent and the sort of big thing is being directed at you, it's really hard to stay calm, right? So what this woman did that I liked is she didn't say, okay, we need to calm down. You need to calm down. Mm-hmm. Because when you are – so a lot of kids don't know what that means. They literally don't know what that means because mm-hmm. they don't have practice. Mm-hmm. And even if they do know what what can calm them down, if they mm-hmm. are so uh, 
emotionally hijacked and activated, they can't access that. Mm -hmm. So they really need sort of simple, concrete. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Let's stand up. Let's walk down the hall. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go sit in the sun for five minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, let's do some downward dog. Like, let's do five push-ups. You know, whatever. Like, they need really concrete, simple stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's just as important for us to talk about what not to do in those situations. Okay. Because let's I think, do it. it. Well, and here's some things that I I think instinctually we can do. And even as a coach, I catch myself doing it. And I'm like, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> like my old therapist used to say, judgment bell, ding. She had a ju- judgment bell in her office and she, would, she wouldn't always ding it, but she would just say, judgment bell, ding. And I'd sometimes do that to myself. Mm, I like that. Because in those moments, I you get judgment bell. Right. Judgment I bell, ding. I can be judgy. Oh, we all can. That's yeah. our. That's what humans are primed to do, right? It's, yeah, we're it's trying a safety to keep mechanism. Ourselves, yeah, right, keeping ourselves safe. So judgment in these moments is really unhelpful. Like you're really overreacting. Yes, shaming, judgment, Shame, right? Like you're 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 being childish. You're being ridiculous. Yeah, right. That kind of stuff. Yeah, is just. Yeah. I had a student once, I think I've shared this story, who we went on this previous school I worked at. We would do these kind of rites of passage senior trips, and they were in – they stayed in yurts. It wasn't like roughing it, really. They had, mm-hmm. you know, bathrooms. But all of the students on the trip had to – each day they had to – they were divided in groups, and one group would be responsible for making breakfast. One group would be responsible for cleaning up after breakfast, et cetera, et cetera. And this girl – these are all seniors in high school, had never swept a floor in her life. And so she was on like kitchen duty, cleaning up Mm -hmm. and every, you know, and like someone handed her a broom and she literally did not know how to sweep. Now here she is, right? This is the scene. She's surrounded by her friends. She's surrounded by peers whose opinion she cares about. She's surrounded by a bunch of adults from her school. She's surrounded by a bunch of adults from this organization we were working with, all of whom are, you know, no one's paying attention to her per per se, but they're all there. And she can't get out of sweeping the floor, but she doesn't know how, right? And so thankfully we had a good enough relationship. Now, do I think that at 18, you know, between you and me, do I think an 18 year old should know how to use a broom? Yeah, I do. Like I think an eight year old should know. Building building distress tolerance right there. Right. Make your kids do chores. Oh, please make your kids do chores. (laughs) We've said this Uh, before, but let's just sneak that in real quick. So she like came up to me and she was like, I mean, and I think it took her, she was embarrassed, you know, she was like, I don't know what to do. And I didn't immediately understand Understand. what she meant. You're like, oh, just sweep the kitchen. I was like, oh, like, well, once you guys are done, we're going to go do the thing. She's like, no, no, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, say more because I don't know what you mean. And she's like, I don't know, like, I, I, like, am I supposed to just hold the broom like this or like that? And I was like, oh, you've never, I was like, have you ever swept a floor? And she just looked at me and she's like, no. I'm like, okay. And so in that moment, I was like, oh, okay, no big deal. Come here. Let me show you. Right. And it was just like, matter of fact, didn't give it a lot of attention. Didn't ask any questions. I literally just took the broom from her. I'm like, okay, you're going to want to do it this way. Try that. Okay, give it over the broom. Okay, you try it for a little bit. I was like, okay, you got it. You're good. Cool. And then I like left, right? But I think that's 
I mean, that's what we run into all the time. This sort of like they need the practical stuff. And if I had been like, are you kidding me? You don't know how to use a broom? Or like, <laughs> that would have been me. I'm like, girl, are you being serious right now? Oh, okay. Let me teach you how to use Yeah. Like, <laughs> wait, what? You know, like, <laughs> whew. I mean, I was thinking it. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And actually later I did email her mom and I said, listen, like, she's about to go to college. Like, what else is on this list of things she doesn't know how to do? Does she know how to do her own laundry? Mm-hmm. Does she know how to make an appointment for herself? Mm-hmm. Does she, can she make a bed? At this point, I was like, where are we starting? What's the, like, what's the, what's <laughs> what's the, baseline? the baseline? What's the baseline? I need to calibrate. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Any other don'ts? Don't shame. Don't ridicule. Don't minimize. I think if your kid. Oh, yeah, minimize is a good one. Like, like if she had come to me and I minimized, it took courage for her to do that. And so don't minimize your kids' feelings. Or if they're really emotional about something that you see as dumb to be emotional about, yep. keep it to yourself. Do not minimize their feelings because their feelings are valid. Feelings are temporal. They're valid. They come and go. Yep. And I think remembering to help them, like ways you can help them, phrases that you can put on a post-it note on their bathroom mirror. Feelings are not facts. We don't have to fuse with our thoughts. Right? And we can't believe everything our brain tells us. Yep. Feelings aren't facts. We can't believe everything our brain tells us. So if their brain is saying, I can't do this hard thing, well, you know what? We can't believe everything our brain tells us. I hear you. I'm sorry you're feeling that way. Let's break it down into steps, right? And we just keep it moving. We keep it practical. Mm-hmm. We don't acquiesce. We don't let them get out of the thing because their emotional state gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. Don't let your kids quit so easily. Things yeah, that's that a much better don't. way to say it. But There's a little too much quitting too soon. Yeah. Set the expectation really early on around commitment and pushing through when things are hard and finishing what we start. Yep. And holding them to that and yeah. not letting them out of it because they've had a temper tantrum about it or they're having a panic attack about it. And help your kids work through those moments of panic and anxiety and worry and help them check their facts. I think that's something we do a lot as coaches that we're like, is that true? Like, what are you worried about? And then they'll tell us and we're like, why do you think that? Yeah. Yeah. Is that actually true? Do people, do people, are people in your class telling you that they don't like you? Well, this is, this is the third phrase I would say, is it real or is it true? Because something that's real and something that's true are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm really emotional about something, it, feels very real. It mm-hmm. doesn't make it true. Mm-hmm. You know, Katie Byron, that, she's some psychotherapist and she has a book called The Work. And there's mm-hmm. an app that does this. It's basically, this is very CBT, right? Mm-hmm. Like checking the validity of these thoughts that come into your mind. And, you know, is this real? Is this true? Okay. What evidence do you have that this is real? And you, there's a, there's a real sort of formal process by which you work through those questions. But I think that's something that parents can do. That's really helpful. The other thing is modeling, trying new things, doing new things together, like being bad at stuff together is really, is good. This morning before we came over here, Kathy was trying to get me to do a headstand because she's really into yoga and she does a lot of headstands. And I was like, I don't want to do this headstand, but she got some headstand chair and she like insisted I do it. And you can do hard things, Meredith. And I was like, I don't want to do this headstand situation. And here's the thing, like watching Kathy do it, it's fluid. It's full of ease. And that's because she's done it a gazillion times. And 
watching me do it, I'm like, uh, this is awkward. I'm going to break myself. And it, it underscores the idea that before we're good at anything, we're usually bad at it. Yep. And I think normalizing that by maybe trying something new with your kids is good or showing them. So I remember when I was little, my dad really made a point. You know, my dad was a pretty handy guy. And so like we would be there, you know, just be stuff around the house to like work on. And I thought it was cool. And he would show us how to like build things. Right. So, and I talked to him about this as an adult and he said, yeah, I didn't want you, especially you as a girl versus Jonathan, my brother, I didn't want you to be like afraid to use power tools or like intimidated by that. I wanted Mm -hmm. you to know how to just, even if you never used it again, I wanted you to have the experience, have the experience and not be like weirded out by it or think that somehow that's not a thing you can learn or a thing you can do. And I really appreciate that because he would show me how to do something like how to use this, you know, I don't know, a drill, for example. Yeah. And then he would make me do it. He wouldn't just make me watch him. He would make me do it. And I remember a lot of times protesting. I don't want to. I don't want to. Because I was an anxious little, I mean, I'm an anxious person. So I was an anxious, I've been an anxious since I came out. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was that kid who was much more resistant to it because it was uncomfortable. Mm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he was very patient and he would sort of, but he also like wouldn't let me get out of it. Right. And I, I think he would say I huffed and puffed sometimes. I think that's great because I think that it brings up this idea that we see more in parenting now than we did in our childhood. You know, don't wrap your kids up in bubble wrap. Like, they're going to be okay. Let them fall. Let them get dirty. Let them get messy. Let them try. They must play in dirt. They must. And they must scrape their knees. And they must. They are going to fall. And letting your kids do that is so important, right? Letting your kids operate a power tool, which means managing your own anxiety and worry that you have as a parent, right? So, I mean, that's one of our biggest takeaways from coaching kids is that parents, you gotta, you gotta work out your own shit, like, cause you do pass it on to your kids, right? So if you've got all this worry and anxiety, right? But so do we, I mean, I think as coaches, we, like, I, I noticed because, because I, I grew up very much a latchkey kid and had to be pretty Same. independent, pretty young in ways that probably were not always developmentally you know, appropriate. Appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I notice it that one of the, just because I want to have some solidarity with parents for the ways that their children can trigger them, children can trigger us, right? Or certainly me, because I will notice my impatience around privilege and around a lack of resilience because those were not choices available to me Mm. as child. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there can be, so I think if you're a parent and, and, you know, this is where your own self-awareness, your own emotional regulation skills become very, very important because you have to be, you know, but I can recognize that and look at that and not operate from it. I mean, sometimes I'll slip and be like, get your shit together. Well, one of the ways that I think parent anxiety manifests itself is control. So. Oh, well, anxiety is soothed by an illusion of control for anyone. Right. And so parents will be like, who are just as equally as anxious as their kids. They see their kids engaging in avoidance behavior. Yeah. But what parents are, the way that parents are managing their anxiety is controlling behavior. Right? Right. And they want to control their kids. And if you have a orchid, it. you're not going to control them. 
or a dandelion. Like you can't control, can't control your kids. You can't control the outcome. You can't force the outcome. You can't make them be a certain way, right? Yeah. And you can influence. Sure. You can have influence, but you can't, short of physically forcing them, you can't, you can't. No, you can't. And I think that's the hardest lesson for parents. I think, I mean, because we're apparently this episode is about naming all of the therapeutic modalities we know by acronyms. <laughs> I think one of the ones that I am an enormous fan of is acceptance commitment therapy. Mm, yes. This is a great one, parents, to look it up. There's some really simple, easy, the difference being, let's say, it's, you know, Bay Area has been very rainy lately. Mm-hmm. And so I have this new puppy, right? And so, like, when it's raining, it's... it's Annoying. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. This was rough for me and potato. <laughs> Acceptance commitment therapy is, like, the difference between, okay, it's raining. Why is it raining? Oh, my God. Like, it's raining again. Like, when it... Let me check the forecast. When's this going to stop raining? Okay, like, I can't believe I moved away from L.A. and in, in this place where it's... It's versus... It's raining. That sucks. Like potato and I are gonna have to be inside today, and I'm gonna have to think of something. Okay, well that's annoying. And then we and then we just sit with that. We sit with the discomfort. We sit with the disappointment. We Mm -hmm. sit and we accept that. Yep. As a state. Yep. And I'm not fighting it by questioning it or ruminating on it or trying to change it or trying to like force a thing. I'm just. Like, ugh, well, this is gonna probably suck today. And I'm Absolutely. and I'm just accepting it. Yeah. And it's great practice for accepting your kids for who they are in the moment. Yeah. It's hard. It is hard. It's hard for us coaches. So I imagine it's incredibly hard for parents because it's hard for us not to blame ourselves, not to like, did I do something wrong? Did I did Oh I, for sure? Did I lead them astray? Did I, did I, did I? But, but you can do hard things, parents. You want your kids to do hard things? You can do hard things. That's right. We, Kathy and I tell us, here are the things Kathy will say to me all of the time as a friend. She'll be like, you can do hard things and hashtag growth. <laughs> <laughs> growth. Yes. You can do hard things. I tell – I there's my little girl who I talk about all the time. She's not little anymore, who I've coached since seventh grade. Oh. now. Oh. She's about to graduate. I love those. And every single time I see her, I'm like, she does something that's hard. I'm like, see, you can do hard things. That's a to-do. Point out and to be so demonstrative about the moments where they do the hard yep. thing, even if the hard thing to them is super easy to you, if it's a small step in the right direction, like, see, you were so nervous about emailing that teacher. Let's go back and like really give it a lot of attention. Like you did it. And like, what happened? Oh, they helped you. How'd that feel? Like give it a lot of praise and attention. Yep. That and helps. give them give them evidence that they can do hard things. I've right. seen you do hard things. I told you've done this, you've done this, right. you've done this. Look right. at how far you've come and right. all of these ways. And this is just one more hard thing that's just new and different, but you've been able to do all the of these other things. The same skills apply. The context will change, but the skills yep. do not. Yep. And it's great because when you see a kid grow from being so cool, worried and like this is a girl who would literally never consider going away on yeah. a, a sleepaway camp. She, like I remember in eighth grade, we were trying to get her to go to camp. She's like, I'll only do it if my sister comes with me. Yeah. There's no way I'm spending the night away from my home. Yeah. 
last summer, this past summer, she spent two months in New York on summer programs so by herself. Great. I was like, look at you doing all things and helping her compare. Like, remember where you were? Remember in seventh grade when you refused to go Helping overnight? her compare. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, and I think that you and I have worked with so many kids over the years that we have seen the happy ending thousands of times. Yeah. We've seen how it works. And so parents, you know, if you're working with your oldest kid and you've got two kids, you haven't necessarily right. traveled the full journey yet. So just trust us. Trust us on this one. Like, it will work. Yeah. It will Stick work. Stick your guns. You can do it. You can do our things. You can do our things. <laughs> and with that. Hashtag growth. <laughs> <laughs> we hope that there will be hashtag growth for everybody after this episode. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time.